Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I'm going to have to learn how to tell your voices apart. <laughs> you need more distinct voices. I'm sorry. You guys sound alike. Like, you, you, you really, talking? you really think the two of them sound alike? I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I've had about like four whiskey and cokes already, <laughs> and uh, when I drink, make a whiskey and coke, I make it like half whiskey and like a little bit of coke. So, um, I am just a little, little drunk right now. And when I mean a little, I mean I've had about, you know, a quarter of a bottle of Makers. Um, I need to start drinking for football games because I, I. Like just turned twenty one, and oh, I always watch sports over. Yeah, no, uh, drinking really helps. Particularly LSU football is kind of made for drinking. I know, but I really like to pay attention, especially when things are going well. But I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna start drinking. Now. <laughs> last, I, I will admit, last year was bad for drinking because I mean, you would think like, hey, everything's going well, I can just get schnocker during games, but that's not how it worked. You actually wanted to pay attention and. You know, you'd you, have like one or two beers and that was it. You you wanted like, to remember the games because yeah. they were going so well. Yeah, like good angry drinking. I mean, that's what 90s uh, LSU was all about. <laughs> Curly Holman really just was great for drinking. Uh, all right. Yeah, like last night, you know, yesterday's game. Good for drinking. <laughs> that's an understatement. within like five minutes of the game ending and i'm that's really one of my goals is to always have a gamer like ready to go no matter what's happened i had one for the a&m game up right as the the game ended (laughs) and that game was freaking crazy and it wasn't even my gamer (laughs) which Which a&m game the The one two years ago that went to overtime like a million times oh yeah the no longer most recent lsu loss yeah because i think kennedy wrote it and then she was she had to leave the press box she's like hey just get this up. And that was like in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, eight quarters later. <laughs> <laughs> a whole other football game later. Yeah. I Because I, I was just kind of like adding, oh, okay, in this overtime, this happened. And then so, and at the end of it, I was like, man, I just wrote a whole, <laughs> a whole other game. Yeah, I mean, I'm a thousand words deep right now. So it's probably going to end up being like 1600. Because there's film stuff in there too. Yeah, post. That's why I kind of told Max what the game reviews were, right? That's kind of what Billy did—a little bit of recap and a little bit of film, a little bit of a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of there's a fair bit of film in this one because there's a lot. There was a lot to break down. It's good stuff, but I was mad. So <laughs> always write angry. Write and angry. I, I, I was writing this like I, I was writing some of it like an hour ago, and I'm still as mad as I was. As. Uh, I forget the the author who said it, but uh, uh, write drunk, edit sober. Good advice. 
And with that little bit of writing advice, welcome <laughs> to the all-new Sneaky Good Podcast, now with electrolytes. <laughs> I'm your congenital host, Poser. As always, our producer, Chris, who will try to keep me in line and make sure that I do not contribute to the swear jar during this episode. That would be nice. And joining me now is Max, who is in charge of X's and O's these days. Oh, I mean, that's that's not what you want to be in charge of after after Saturday. It was, <laughs> oh, my God. And the new boss man, Zach's on board. I am. I'm excited about this. I, I want to get this podcast thing going. Also, uh, electrolytes. Are we, do we have a Gatorade sponsorship now I'm not aware of? No, this would be, of course, Idiocracy. Now with electrolytes. Oh. <laughs> it's got the Brondo's got the stuff that plants need. <laughs> it's going right over my head. If I can't make an idiocracy oh, reference, good. okay. <laughs> okay, so you, okay, I now need to look up how old is idiocracy? Because your homework I, assignment, I to, boys, is to go watch yeah. idiocracy. It, hey, it uh, actually will judge, put a lot of the current political situation in better perspective for you. I mean, Mike Judge made Beavis and Butthead, and then he did Office Space. And then and he did King of the Hill. Yeah, and King of the Hill. And oh my goodness, Idiocracy came out in 2006. Oh my God. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, that was, was seven. That 14 was seven. years ago. <sighs> All right, well, watch it. It's really funny. It's, it, I, I, it's the best thing Luke Owen's ever done. Better than playing uh, Casey Kelso on that 70s show? <laughs> yeah, even better than that. And I'm, I will stand up for that 70s show. So Luke Wilson, I'm sorry, Luke Wilson. Sorry, not Luke Owen, because I'm thinking of Owen Wilson and, you know, Luke Wilson. Once again, that's the whiskey talking. Um, (laughs) But yes, I made an idiocracy reference, and I did not think it was that old. It was 14 years ago. And your kids. That's two-thirds of my life. God. I was, in, I was in middle school, if it makes you feel a little bit better. No, that doesn't make That really better. doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, I think Max said he was seven, so I'm just trying to... You have no idea how time works when you get older. It's like, I literally think, feel like that movie came out like five years ago. Like, it would be something that it came out when you were in high school. And maybe reaching it back to... Yeah, maybe middle school. I would have been like, all right, yeah. middle school. But seven. Oh, oh my God. Just a slow slide towards death. Yeah, the, the older you get, the, the worse judge of time you are and the worse judge of other people's ages you become. Yeah, everybody's 12. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm 37. I'm married. I got two kids. No, you're not. You're only 13. Show me your license. <laughs> yeah, you like watch a TV show and like people will be kissing. You're like, oh my God, that's gross. <laughs> Look it up. They're both 25. <laughs> <laughs> But on the slow slide towards death, I think that segues nicely into the LSU Mississippi State game. Uh, we're a long way from 2019 already. <laughs> we really are. This is the point where uh, I mentioned the fact that Ohio State got blown out by Purdue two years ago and nobody cared. So I hope it's that. Didn't Ohio State lose? Their first two games one year before going on to make the playoffs. Well, they lost. They lost to Virginia Tech. Yeah, I remember that. That year was bad, flat bad. They were flat bad that year. They lost to Virginia Tech. They put it together and they made the playoffs. So I mean, and won the national championship. So college football is riddled with teams starting inexplicably poorly and then figuring it out. LSU recent history is as well. LSU lost to Troy two years ago, 
and then only lost to Bama for the rest of the regular season. So, look, the team's clearly going to get better. I think that's it's and it, it's too talented not to. But look, there's I think there's every chance we're kind of laughing at this memory like we were about Troy. Um, but it's not it's not then yet. So it in the meantime it sucks and it sucks because of how how stupid that game went. Yeah, uh, I had a habit when we played Mississippi State the last few times we've lost to them of wildly overreacting to Mississippi State losses and calling them the worst losses in LSU history both times that it happened. And it turned out that both those Mississippi State teams actually turned out to be pretty good. That, you know, Dak Prescott guy, you know, he made a little bit of something of himself. So the question is, is this Mississippi State team good? Not defensively. Um Offensively, look, they're going to score a lot of points. KJ Costello has a real opportunity to play his way into a pretty, pretty decent uh, rookie contract. So, look, I mean, this—I I think it's in the, at the end of the year, it's going to—it's going to turn out that this is a team that can really score a lot of points and has a lot of talent at the skill positions. But, but my big problem is, I mean, defensively, that team, that Mississippi State team, isn't good, and it was clear yesterday that they weren't good. Guys were open all the all over the place on almost every drop back. And I mean, they left like 300 passing yards on the field. It was was unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's weird to say this miles Brennan threw for 345 yards and you say, wow, that wasn't a very good game. Burrow throws for the Burrow throws for 550 easily. Yeah. Yeah. I I think so too. And it was like, you could see it on TV. You're you're not even watching coaches film and you could see guys wide open and that's, not good. I'm it, scared it, of the all twenty-two when it come when I end eventually get my hands on it this off season. I'm scared. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be depressing. Poster, you got you brought up a good point on Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, the Mississippi State game stopped being a layup for LSU a couple of years ago. I'm looking at the year by year results after uh, after Dak Prescott came in here and kind of set fire to bat to LSU in 2014. I'm looking at. 2015, LSU wins by two and Miss State missed a field goal at the end to win it. Oh, 2000, 2016, LSU wins 23-20. I don't really remember that game. No, that was uh, a really tight game. That, that was a. Uh, was that the that was uh, the gold a, uniform a, alternate game? Yes, I love those. Yeah. Uniforms. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That was a real white knuckle kind of game. Like it was a hold yeah. on for dear life kind of thing. Uh, you know, 2017, Nick Fitzgerald just kicks LSU's butt 37-7. He sucked, uh, too. He was so bad. He was a terrible quarterback. I'm not over that. <laughs> 2018, uh, it was a big win, but it was actually tighter than the score was. I think it was like 19-3. to 3. I'm not looking yeah, at 19 it. 19-3. Yeah, that was the so Devin bad. White game. And uh, the I, Devin White ejection. But that game was uh, tougher. White. Yeah, that game was tougher than you remember. Like, you look at the score, you're like, ah, 19-3, to 3, easy win. I remember that game was a real – I mean, it, it was a real slobber knocker kind of game. Like, Well, that Mississippi State team had – legitimately the number one defense. Yeah. That, that yeah defense. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Simmons, guys like that. Cam, uh, yeah. Leo Lewis, I think. Um, I think have, so too. They have like, they had like seven players in the NFL right now on that team. Yeah, that Gay. defense was, that defense was nasty. They, they, they hurt people. And I mean that I was saying that in the run up to the game, like they were a dirty team. And I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, I, not, I mean, not a Chaz Ramsey way. Yeah, yeah, they they put a hurt on you. You came out of that game and you knew you played Mississippi State, and I think that's kind of what's disappointing about this game. This team does not have that defense, and no, LSU team, should. That team's quarterback wasn't Nick Fitzgerald. 
Like, seriously, Nick Fitzgerald's one of the worst passers in modern SEC history. Imagine if Dak Prescott were that team's quarterback. That team cruises. Yeah, I mean. But this team's defense is bad. And, and like, it's going to really show out when they give up, like, 63 to Alabama, and everybody's going to really see. But but are they so, going to lose, like, are they going to, you know, is the score going to be 63 to 51? Uh, how no, legit? 51 on Alabama. Yeah, no, they're it's not. Gonna be, uh, but it's going to be, like, 34. Like, they're going to put up some points. I, I think what was interesting, though, L, you know, LSU lost, and that was terrible. But you looked around the SEC, outside of Bama, who just put a hurt on Missouri in a very professional kind of way. Everybody else looked pretty pretty bad, honestly. Like, Auburn, Florida. you know, yeah, Florida, Florida, no, Florida, Florida didn't look that good. That, that, that Florida Ole Miss game was – It was a 13 and a half yards per attempt to Matt Corral, which – Matt yeah, because, Corral. Yeah, because they moved uh, – what's his face? To the wide receiver position. Good. I Good. 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 Yeah. They should have done. But yeah, good. like the, Auburn beat Kentucky because of one of the worst calls I think yeah. I've ever seen. Not if you weren't watching this game, Kentucky scored a touchdown with 30 seconds left in the first half, yeah. and it was a clear touchdown. I, I mean, it was not even borderline. And for some reason, the ref didn't call it a touchdown on the field, and they go to video and still said like it wasn't a touchdown, even though the guy's knee never touches the ground, not yeah. even close. It wasn't even borderline. I have no idea. I thought they called it back on like a target. I, uh, on like no, a that tar- was on the ensuing play. Oh, the ensuing, the next play, they throw an interception and oh, they return oh, it. Oh, and, yes, yeah, that. That and, was the targeting. So Kentucky, who could have been up by seven points at the half, instead is down by a point, And the second half kind of gets away from them. And you could kind of tell it took all the air out of the balloon. So Austin, Auburn not good. So doesn't look that great. Um, A&M could have yeah, lost yeah, to Vanderbilt. Yeah. They're not good. I can already tell. They, they, oh, oh, my God. That's Vanderbilt. Mississippi State would beat Vanderbilt by 30 points. And, and and so you feel a little bit better about LSU? I mean. No, I just feel bad about everyone else, too. Well, I mean, it is relative. You're only going to play an SEC schedule. So. Yeah. I mean, outside of. They'll get better. This team will get better. Those teams may get better, but I know this team will get better because they're talented. My concern is this um, with the defense, at least. I know everyone play is playing on an equal field about uh you know nobody had spring ball and all that stuff but remember kj costello is a stanford graduate he didn't get this to uh, mississippi state till about june or july because of the quarter system they're on so he got there even later than uh, a typical grad transfer would and he did that to lsu now they're not going to give up 600 pass yards every single week but well, there's some alarming stuff kind of i mean the thing about the air raid is that it's beyond easy to install i mean how Mummy's uh, Dallas Renegades XFL playbook, I read it, is like 30 pages. And most playbooks are like 400 pages. It is I mean, brilliant. Seriously, it is could, so brilliant. Yeah, you could teach – like you can – if you're a quarterback, you can kind of learn the air raid in less than a month. Especially when you know, you're KJ Costello and you've played at a high level against defenses before – it's it, and you've kind of run some iterations of the concepts. It's it's really simple. It's really teachable. It's it, that's and that's the genius of it. Is KJ Costello could have gotten there a month before the season, and he'd still be cooking. Now there were a lot of I think Zach's right. There was a lot of concerning things on defense. So let's just take the list and we'll kind of go through how concerning each one of them was. Um, 
obviously we've talked about 623 yards to KJ Costello. Pretty concerning. Uh, secondly, there was the fact that three of the touchdowns came on third and t- on basically third and ten. I think one was third and nine, and another was third and eleven. Let's yeah. call them all third and ten. So third down was a problem all game, but giving up three long touchdowns on third and ten, pretty bad. Third. Uh, the secondary was abysmal and just never adjusted. And that's more not so much on talent, but on Bo Pelini to yeah, not yeah. adjust to the air raid. It was great to see the offense adjust at halftime, but for the defense not to make any adjustments, uh, just mind boggling. And the other one, which I think that hasn't gotten a whole lot of play, is the fact that every time LSU either tied the game or took the lead, Mississippi State scored on their next possession. Yeah. yeah. So of those, I think those are four terrible things. Which of those is the most concerning to you? Bo Pelini, number one, far and away. I mean, uh, you'll get a little bit more about this in the uh, game review I'm writing, but like Mississippi State, you know, they're obviously a Mike Leach team. They're going to have like 10 maybe variations of that mesh concept, you know, where the two receivers cross and there's a bunch of stuff playing on the periphery of that, and which is – if if you you know if you want to beat straight man to man coverage, you, that's what you go to, and you run it until you know they adjust out of it, and they never got out of it. So they were running meshes and shallow crosses and all the variants of the stuff they have, and guys were just popping open, taking it for twenty five yards every time. And you know, of course, the one thing that was really frustrating as well is on those uh, you know, when they would pair it with like a couple of sideline fades. KJ Costello would drop it right in the bucket, even if the coverage was okay, which was infuriating, but sometimes you got to tip the cap. But like the refusal to go to any kind of zone or to go to any kind of zone match or even man match. Well, I don't know how much of that they have installed because that's pretty complicated stuff with assignments and stuff. But like you got to switch, you got to switch to zone or zone match at some point in that game. And they never did. It's unbelievable. It was one of the more intransigently called games I've ever seen of football. It kind of reminded me of that Ohio State-Michigan game from a couple years ago when Ohio State ran up like 63 points on meshes and shallow crosses alone. Like, ugh. Let me ask you this, Max, and I know you probably can't answer this, but why just the it felt like just blatant refusal to do anything. Like why, why, why not change anything? Which just felt like that's state was literally all they were doing. Why not adjust? What, where was the adjustments? Why not have anything? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely can't answer that. If I were calling the game, I would have, I would have, I would have gotten out of it in like the second quarter. And, and look, they, they can beat you, you know, with zone. They can even beat you with zone playing you know running mesh but they're not going to pop it for 20 30 yard gains that's the thing like you can kind of keep stuff in front of you i don't i really that's that's what's mind-boggling to me i mean you could say maybe they don't have all their man match concepts properly installed but like really i mean any kind of zone really anything like it 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 was i i don't know i don't know mike leach would lock bo pelini in the closet if he was if he was coaching under him for that. So, I mean. so, so Zach, what was most concerning to you? Which, or something off the menu of the. No, defensively for me, it's, it's also third down. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the recap and something that I wrote up after the game, I've got state converting eight of 16, third downs. They hit on third and 13, third and 20, third and 11, third and 10, third and nine. 
their average third down distance, 9.6 yards, and they were five of nine on those instances. I mean, that's – you can't yeah. get off the field. And especially with the front not – not that the front four is a concern, but the question was like, well, how can this team get after the quarterback with just their front four without having to blitz like Jacoby Stevens constantly or Jabril Cox constantly? I was pleased with Ali Gay. I'm really pleased about I, I want to get into yeah. him in a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, really good. But if they – if they can't get there without blitzing and, and you have to leave these one-on-one guys, because I don't, I don't want to say exposed, but you know, Darren Evans, I don't want to pile on the kid, but you know, he looks like a Southland conference player trying to masquerade as an SEC player. You kind of figured out why he wasn't at LSU these past couple of years. Jay Ward looked bad. Cordell flat looked bad. Ricks, he had a pick, but he also, just made a terrible decision on that one touchdown. Yep. Just I know. A, I kind of roasted him in the review. Oh, just a total lack of situational awareness. And I just I don't know how much Derek Stingley helps when your guys, the other guys, can't cover man to man. Going forward, Stingley's going to help because the thing is, against Mississippi State, like against these air raid teams, Mike Leach will base in ten personnel, which means he's got four wide receivers. So you basically have to spend the whole game in dime. So more often. And be able to base a nickel, which means you get one of these DBs off the field. So basically, your alignment is Stingley and Ricks to the, you know, Stingley to the boundary uh, and Ricks to the field, unless they switch them up, which Dave Aranda didn't really do all that much. But, and then Cordell Flott at the nickel with the two safeties. Um, and that's going to be way better, especially since Cordell Flott clearly belongs in the nickel because he is very thin and he got abused by big receivers. Like, Os- Osiris Mitchell is 6'5", 210, yeah. and Tyrell Shavers is like 6'6", 210 as well. So, like, yeah, he's not he does not have the, the size or strength to play up on the line against those kind of guys. I think he'll be a lot better in the nickel. Ricks, you know, he tried to play – he tried to be the hero on that play, which, honestly, in high school, I think he's would used to just pluck out of the yeah, air. That was, I think, also frustration. I think that's a guy who's used to being able to do that kind of stuff in high school. Definitely. And, hey, I'm going to make a hero play, and I'm going to show everybody. And sometimes, particularly because it was third and ten, it's like, guy, even let him make the catch. Just tackle him before the – you know, it just – that's something – that's an inexperienced play. And normally I'm kind of okay with uh, youth making mistakes, Uh, particularly if they're talent mistakes. That was just having – faith in your talent i think this is the first time i mean obviously this is the first game but i think this really showed how much they're going to miss carrie vincent this year and also this is todd harris's first game back from an acl tear last year it kind of looks it you know he looked like he hadn't played in about a year he totally whiffed on the uh the kylan hill touchdown um yeah the tech and i'm also curious about um about Mo Hampton, you know, any kind of lingering effect from baseball, but the, the safety play aside from Stevens, kind of a little dicey. Yeah, you would like to see Harris play a little bit better. I mean, he's, once again, coming off an injury, but no, he's the senior, and you'd like guys who've been program guys to do something. Right. I mean, so, at least yeah. tackle. And, and look, I, I'll say this for me, the biggest problem was – and I know this is, you know, quaint and no one likes to say this, you know, because analytics are real big. And I do like stats. I write a stat column every week. But I think what did hurt was it was just kind of 
there was it felt like a lack of heart at times where you you know every time LSU tied the game or took the lead they let up a score I mean to not get one stop but I think what really tore your guts out is when they make it 34 34 there's 10 minutes left I mean that's gut check time it's like okay you got the game to zero you know you dug out of the hole let's just win it right now and then get outscored 10 nothing to the finish it just felt like the team I don't want to say it wasn't trying because of course they were trying but they just they didn't have that that it and you know what I'm talking about if you remember the 2019 team that team just carried itself like they knew they were gonna make a big play and this team was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and that was concerning but once again that could be something that comes in time because like right now it's a young team no one knows who the guy is and, and I think that's where you ran into the problem with like Rick's trying to make a play that he probably shouldn't have made yeah but they're I mean they have people that should be the guy I mean like Jacoby Stevens was one of the guys last year I mean remember he kind of riled the defense up after that Ole Miss game and I will note that in terms of defensive atrocities this wasn't that different. That was really bad. The difference is this was more yards because it's passing. But I mean, also the dif- the difference of the Ole Miss game is LSU was defending a big lead the entire time. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, mean to a twenty-eight nothing lead. That's true. That is yeah. True. I mean, it, it was that felt like more of a panic just because hey, we lit up a ton of yards. I'm like, yeah, well, they never got within two touchdowns, so who cares? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I but yeah, I let's forgot about that. instead of focus on the negative. Instead of focusing all on the negatives, you know, we've done that for 30 minutes. Let's at least say, okay, what is there to build on off of this game? Ollie Gay. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's for real. Uh, and uh, if LSU could turn him into a legit D-end, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, Cody Worsham had it on uh, through Pro Football Focus, uh, their college affiliate. But I think it was like a four pressures and four QB hits. Like that we didn't know coming into this year, okay, who's going to – Defensive tackle, you felt okay about. Yeah, you had Apu Ika, Glenn Logan, Pharrell often back in. But on the end, you know, Andre Anthony is a senior, hasn't hasn't shown it yet. Travez Moore, senior, hasn't shown it yet. Coach raves about B.J. Ojolari, but true freshman. Ali Gay, Juco transfer. Somebody's got to got to show it. Gay showed it in game in uh, game one. Yeah, yeah I mean, at, at times, honestly, I could, like. Just looking at him with his frame and whatnot, I kind of looked like felt like I was looking at Arden Key for a second. I mean, like, I he he's got such a great defensive end frame and look, and just the way he was able to bend around tackles and you know make guys miss and just be just a huge problem for that that right tackle they had was very encouraging. I mean, and three batted balls. Spots. Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly one of the bright spots. One of the better performances by an LSU defensive end edge rusher. You know, I mean, we'll chase on last year against Oklahoma, but like he was really good. And that's a big deal going forward, because, again, this team is going to get way better. It's going to get way better. And he's going to be a big part of that. I also thought was really impressive was the I think one of the big questions going in. We were talking about this last week was, hey, what's going to be the pass rush? And I think they didn't have a ton of sacks, but they were getting to the quarterback. Yeah, there was a bunch of uh, grounding calls. There was a bunch of QB hurries. There was not a clean pocket. Yeah, they had to blitz a lot in order to get those pressures. But for something that I thought was going to be a much bigger problem, I think the line really showed up. Um, it's not as big of a concern as I thought it was. It, it still kind of is. We need you know someone like Trevez Moore to 
to step up. I mean, Ali Gay was great, but you like to see a little bit more on the line. But seeing some semblance of a pass rush was more than I thought we would see. And yeah. to his credit, uh, I'm sorry, Max, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to his no, credit, uh, Ojalari, while I didn't show up on the stat sheet, Pro Football Focus had him as like a four hurries, I believe. So he, I thought he, he was good. getting there. So it's just a matter of time before he finally gets the hit and, and brings a quarterback down, I think. And O raves about him. Uh, o says this is a potential All-American in the making. And yeah, the, the numbers didn't reflect it just yet, but you can kind of see flashes of it. Yeah, uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be really good. I think he's gonna be really good. Um, again, this team is definitely gonna get better. There's definitely the pieces to get better. Um, but like, the one w- one positive I would like to note. Uh, you know whose fault none of this was. This wasn't yesterday's loss. Steve Ensminger. Yeah, he was yeah. keeping guys open the entire game. And granted, like, it didn't take a lot. Um, because when you're that talented on the outside, you don't need to uh, to do anything super crazy. But he he called a pretty good game. He schemed guys open. Uh, the yards were there to be taken, and Miles Brennan was just so gun shy. Uh, also, he, he adjusted because Brennan yeah. had a terrible first half, really and a lot of those numbers didn't come until the second half. You know where he and some of it was kind of how the game flow changed. But they came right out of the half. And they threw that out pattern just to get them ten, you know, quick completion, ten yards. Then ran the ball to give a little bit of comfort, which they had kind of abandoned in the first half. They, you could tell, they sat down and thought about what was working and what wasn't, and actually made adjustments. It was the yeah, you, you know, LSU hasn't had to make adjustments. They didn't have to last year because everything was going so well. So yeah, I was really impressed with Ensminger. That there was no panic. I think from the sidelines. I think the coaching staff on the offensive side, did a really good job. And I I think they put Brennan in a position to succeed. Oh, they put – oh, my God. They put – they yeah, they sure did. I mean, like, look, and, and there is a good chance that, you know, I was looking at the tape. Uh, basically, I was freaking out yesterday. But there's a good chance that as he gets a little bit more comfortable, he starts he starts to take some of these shots. I, I think Miles Brennan's going to be somebody who probably struggles a little bit with processing – permanently i mean he was really bad at it yesterday but you know if we can get him to be like jared goff where who jared goff is a very good quarterback if he does not have to think so the less thinking we can have brennan do the more we can scheme guys open um and just the more he can pull the trigger a little bit things are going to get i think things are going to get better on offense um so but again i the thing is i don't think miles brennan is ever going to be an NFL prospect. He's just not. No, no. Well yeah, we don't, we don't need that. I mean, but yeah, you look at it, I think at the half, he was seven of 16 for 99 yards. Yeah. And he was. And, he, and if you finish the game with 27 of 46, do a little bit of math. That's 20 of 30 for about 250 yards in the second half. So he really turned his game around. Also, and, neither of the interceptions were his fault. No. Yeah. The that's one he got hit. Yeah. Interception. God, it, it looks so bad on TV, but yeah, once you saw the replay, you saw his arm got hit. Yeah, his arm got hit. And yeah. the, the, sec, the second one was you're down 10 with, what, two seconds left? I mean, the, who cares? Yeah, um, whatever. Don't count. Yeah. Don't care. Don't the, uh, the numbers, what Max said about him not thinking, back it up. Uh, Worsham, Cody Worsham broke it down. Uh, Brennan holding the ball three seconds or less, 21 to 29, 250 yards, a touchdown, three seconds or more, seven of 18, 105 yards. His two touchdowns, two of his touchdowns came. I, I believe one one had to have been the Eric Gilbert t- 
catch, and I believe the other one might have been the, uh, I guess the, the Terrence uh, Marshall touchdown. But the two interceptions also came on the when he had to hold it too long. Yeah, and I, I and I think he will get better in his processing. I mean, Joe Burrow struggled again. Not to compare it to Joe Burrow, he will never be a quarter of the quarterback Joe Burrow was. But to compare it to Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow struggled to process at times in that first year. What happens when you're playing defenses that are taking away your first read consistently? That's going to be a problem. And it may not be Florida. I mean, Matt Corral had a pretty easy day, and he's Matt Corral. Max, what do you think about, uh, speaking of Burrow and Brennan, did it feel like at first they were kind of calling plays for Brennan as though he were Joe Burrow? I was surprised about how frequently they they kind of went empty and and all that to start the game. It kind of felt like they goes, oh, right, this isn't Joe. We got to kind of tailor the game toward what Brennan does. Did it feel like that to you, or is it just me? Yeah, I mean, you saw that in the protections. Uh, like, they they were going empty on their on their protections a lot early. Uh, and I think that's something they're going to be able to do a little bit more as the year goes on, if the offensive line improves, which I have, heavily suspect it will, barring injury, which I'm actually very concerned about because there's no depth. But, no, absolutely none. So, like, you saw that with the protections, um, and I wrote about this earlier in the summer, where basically LSU is going to have to get a little bit heavy on their protections, not go to 2018 where you're in max protect all the time. But they started leaving backs in. They started leaving tight ends in. Eric Gilbert was actually in to protect a little bit more than I'd be comfortable with, but it was his first game, so whatever. Um, but, yeah, you definitely saw that uh, because Bur- because Miles Brennan is not getting away from a free rusher. He's not. Yeah. And, uh, I mean – the no empty drove me insane. When they were going empty, it drove me insane just because Miles Brennan's not a threat to run. So when no. Joe Burrow went empty, there was still the threat that he was going to run on you. So there had there was some degree of respect. When yeah. you go empty with Miles Brennan, it's a pass play. Yeah. There, there is no way to turn that into a run play. The defense knows what's coming, and that's never a good sign. If I like to put it like this, I'm not an expert at calling plays, so if I know what's coming, the other team's defensive coordinator certainly does. And every time we went empty, I just was cursing at the television because I'm just like, guys, you don't have the personnel to do this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think you, you can go empty – even with a statue quarterback, if there's a couple things, one, he's got to be really good at diagnosing and checking his protections, which Miles Brennan wasn't really doing at all. Like there were a lot of instances where you could see that a guy was coming and he was not accounted for. And Miles Brennan, you know, needs to know that he's hot if that guy comes and he has to throw to his hot route or or escape, well, which he can't do, which is the problem. But like, you know, he just wasn't kind of engaged at all uh, in the protection, really. Um and who he has to account for, but like, yeah, when that's a, when that's the case, and your quarterback can't really move, and because Joe Burrow is going to juke out a free rusher, we saw that all the time. We even saw that today against the Eagles, uh, when he was absolutely superb today. By the way, he was awesome. Um, but like, Miles Brennan's not going to do that. So you're going to so unless your offensive line gets real good, and you can really keep guys keep teams from blitzing, which teams are going to blitz for the time being. Um, you got you got to avoid it for the most part, and I love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just look, blitzing a ton doesn't work in the NFL, but it works in college because college quarterbacks aren't as good. And, right. And basically, we had an NFL quarterback last year, and now we have a college quarterback. So blitzing is yeah. now going to work. 
It's simple as that. He just doesn't have the process time. That it, What made Burrow so great was his ability to diagnose a play so quickly and then get the ball out. And the problem yeah. is, is right now, Brennan doesn't even look average at it. So it looks even worse. Because yeah, we're worse good. to a guy who is superlative at it and now seeing someone who's below average at it makes him seem like the worst quarterback ever. And I do think that was part of it. It's just we're so used to a guy who is so good at diagnosing a play to someone who's hanging on the ball for over three seconds on like every play. And you're just yeah. like, you're like, get rid of the football, make decisions. And I hope it comes with time because Miles Brennan is one of the easiest guys to root for I know. in a long time. You, you want this guy to succeed. I'm just begging him to succeed. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to believe in the quarterback and why things were going to be, you know, I don't want to say not miss a beat. Obviously we're going to miss a beat. You're losing Joe Burrow with a ton of talent. But, you know, still at least have a really good offense. And look, you know, they still gained a ton of yards, scored 34 points. You hate to point a finger at the offense, but. It It still wasn't like my, like, I I still stand kind of like almost kind of by my in-game analysis, which was very panicky because it always is. My in-game takes don't count. I agree with that. I think that's for everybody. You, You know, everyone's allowed to panic during a game. But I mean, I remember saying, I'm like, Miles Brennan is a real problem because like, He's just not really making reads at all. Like it's got, he's waiting till guys are well into their breaks and well into the windows to decide, and that's way too late. It's I. It's so so maybe look maybe it gets better to the point where it's serviceable, and at that point the skilled players are great, the system is really good, and we'll be able to cook a little bit, uh, at least relative to everybody else. But if that doesn't happen, and he's just this gun shy, you know staticky processing kind of player. Yeah. I mean, there's a real cap on what this offense can do. Do you think they know who they are yet? And I mean, I, I don't, they shouldn't. I mean, it's only game one, but I was talking with my dad about it. There seems to be some kind of lack, not, I don't want to say lack of identity, but just some kind of, okay, what do we have? What can we be going on? And I don't, and again, you're not, I don't, it's not reasonable to expect that after game one, but like I'm, I'm, I keep going back to the running back position, which I don't think people really talked about. I think O is a. I know he's got to keep all three of these running backs happy, and there's not really a true established number one running back. But I think eventually, you, you got to have to pick somebody sooner than later. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. With that. And also, like in the first half, they carried the ball 13 times. Second half, they carried the ball 25 times. Now. Clearly, they had a lot more plays in the second half, but it did seem in the first half they were trying to get Brennan going, and they forgot they had running backs. And that was one of the real problems of the game very early on. They just – not only were they not keeping all three of the guys happy, they weren't keeping any of the running backs involved in the game because it just seemed like they were going, you know, pass, 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 and just because they were so concentrated on trying to get Brennan going. I I think there does need to be a little bit – I mean, we're never going to go back to three yards in a cloud of dust. Never. But but I do think you need to get do a little bit more to get the running game going. There is some value to establishing a running game. Yeah, yeah because, you know, schools like LSU, like LSU's been like the front of the pack of like having a group of running backs be successful, but have that one clear guy. You know, 11, yes, there was Alfred Blue and Kenny Hillard and Michael Ford, but it was Spencer Ware's team. 2007, you know, there's Charles Scott, Richard Murphy, Trenton Holly every now and then, but it was Jacob Pester's team. 2003 eventually became Justin Vincent's team. 
this 2020 team has the stable, but somebody, Curry, Davis Price, Emory, I don't care which one, but some of them have, someone has to emerge as that number one guy, and they've got to give them the, the touches to, to distinguish who it is. To be honest, I think it's going to be Emory because he's the one who can catch. It's going to be Emory, I think. Because- and he can see now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's the guy who had three catches, and the other guys combined for zero. And- it's going to be Emory, period, I think. I, I think he's just way better than the other guys, honestly. Like, I, look, I get Chris Curry was really good in pull in the bowl game, the playoff, the semifinal. I, look, I'm not in practice, but I just think John Emory's like way better than these other guys. Yeah, he, he looks better. Chris Curry had the highest average, but not by much. Um, Ty Davis Price, I think. Um, he looked slow, honestly. Like I yeah. hate to, I hate to say it. Like he looked a step slower than he was last year. He does, and I think he's gonna be the guy's gonna be number three. I think you can run between Emery and Curry because I think Curry had some nimble runs. He looked pretty. He he looked quicker than he did last year. If that makes any sense, like he was yeah. able to make some cuts. Um, but still, we don't have that big play guy. I, then again, you know, Clyde be, wasn't a huge. If it's going to be anybody, though, it's going to be John Emery. Yeah, I agree. Because he is he is silky. I mean, he I, like there's I just keep looking at him. I'm like, there's no way this guy isn't good. No way. Yeah, his issue last year was uh, catching the ball and not being able to pass block. And yeah, you know, the the hope is, of course, the catching has caught on. I mean, it's got to help to have latest surgery. I mean, I mean. I wear yeah. contacts. I can't imagine how much better my vision would be if I got LASIK surgery and John Emery was legally blind in an eye. So, I mean, I that has to be better. Like, yeah. And, and I remember, I think it was the Florida game, uh, Emery whiffed on a block against Florida and you could read Burrow's lips. He, he said, get him the bleep off the field. Oh, I love Joe Burrow. Uh, and if he's picked up on that, I think, I mean, he was the number one or number two running back in high school in his class. I mean, that has to, like, like Max said, he's, he's just too good or he's too talented for it to not, for him to not piece it, to, uh, put it together. Yeah. I mean, uh, but the protection, the, the thing about pass blocking is it's going to be a bigger deal for running backs this year than it was last year by a significant degree. Like it's going to be so much bigger this year and more important for a running back. Um, so if he's whiffing on protections and that may be something that's happening in practice, then look, everything I just said goes out the window because that's going to be a problem. So to turn from this game, cause I think we're beginning to beat a dead horse. What do you want to see from the Vandy game? What is, I mean, other than a win, obviously, but what do you want that to look like? Or is it just get a win? I don't care how. No, I do care how, because if they look like Texas A&M, I'm going to be very afraid <laughs> They can't go to the fourth quarter with Vanderbilt. They can't. I mean, to be fair, they look, Vanderbilt is not Mississippi State. KJ Costello might be an NFL quarterback. Like, he's really good. And their receivers are really good. Osiris Mitchell is a freak. Um, but look, they need to they need to make it look like they're playing Vanderbilt. I need to be relaxed by the end of the second quarter. And we, I just want to see Miles Brennan start to settle into a game as the starter, even if it's just against Vanderbilt. It won't really tell us all that much, but I just want to see it. And I just want to see Derek Stingley back on the field. Whatever he's allergic to, 
I want it banned in the state of Louisiana. Like, no, nobody can ever have it again. It's gone. I don't know what it is, but the governor's office needs to find out what it is and ban it because he needs to be on that field. Yeah. Take one for the team, Louisiana. Oh, I think they will. Yeah, Max Max took what I was going to say. Like, the biggest thing I wanted to see next Saturday is I want to see 24 in purple and gold. I also want to say – I want to see Arik Gilbert not used like he's an NFL's third string uh, tight ends. Let Eric Or go. like the – or the, the sixth offensive lineman who checks himself in as an eligible receiver. That's not what he is. He's never – never going to be that and it just felt weird to me how frequently they put him on the line to to help out with pass blocking and run blocking i messaged max about it there was a uh the screenplay to trey palmer mm-hmm. else ran that play against uh georgia southern last year and uh i think it was moss and jefferson they got the blocks and marshall scored a touchdown kind of the same exact call this time around gilbert totally whiffed and yeah, it's like the commenters point out on the website. That's not what he was in high school, and it's weird to expect him to do that in his first game. You, you got to cut that out. Yeah, no, that, that, that felt like a yeah. that felt like a, a less miles like misuse of uh, ability. Yeah, and I mean that was my like I, I was I've been effusive of my praise of Ensminger, especially, and I think he did call a good game. That's got to stop. Look, maybe. Uh, maybe it's just a let's get him a few games first. I hope it, if it's that, then whatever. But look, it, it, if you are going to leave that tight end in to protect, there is nothing stopping you from putting Tory Carter at the H back and splitting Eric Gilbert out into the slot. I mean, like you can be a twelve personnel team, but it's basically eleven because you know it's Eric Gilbert lined up as a receiver. You can do that. I was saying do that in the off season if you are going to leave that guy in to protect, which I think you should do every once in a while. But do not leave Eric. See, I can't. There's a debate going on on uh, T. Bob, A. Bear, and Brody Miller's podcast about whether it's a Reek or Eric. So I'm going to use both. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was Eric. It just spelled weird. But yeah, see, they they've been going back and forth on that, so I can't keep up. But like, if it's, it's a Reek, it's a Reek. We'll, we'll learn. How about that? I like we that. we apologize I, to the Gilbert family. Yeah, I mean, I've heard. I've really, literally heard it both ways um, at this point. So. Uh, I, yeah, I will say there there comes a point you're no longer a tight end. He's, like, he's, if he if he's not going to ever be you know brought in tight to block, then he's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. Just treat him like a wide receiver. Um, yeah, treat him like Kyle Pitts. Like you want to look at how they need to use him. Go look at go watch Florida use Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he destroyed. Can, yeah, he destroyed Ole Miss. Got to run routes. Let him cook. He's Kyle Pitts. He is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing. And yeah, they were talking. I was actually watching that broadcast. They said he probably lost the Mackey Award because he didn't block enough. And yeah, I, I hope that if that's the case for Arico, so what? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'd rather you lose the award because you're too busy catching, you know, an extra 500 yards passing. I, I totally yep. agree with that. He's Evan Ingram. He's Evan Ingram. Or if you want to go old school, he's Keith Jackson. But yeah, but this is like you can't do old school because the tight end position has been reinvented in the last 15 years. All right. I mean, he's Travis Kelsey, kind of. They 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 will infrequently leave Travis Kelsey in to protect. They'll move him all over. So I think you can use Gilbert in line sometimes just to kind of simulate potentially a run. You know, it looks like pre-snap it could be a run, but you pop him up the seam or you pop him on a deep over. I mean, like, look, I wrote a whole thing about how they should use him. Somebody's got to go 
Now it's a Steve Ensminger's a front door like Martin Luther. So I mean, yeah, he can't do. I, I yeah, they got to cut that out. You're right. Let him cook. And with that, we've got a question time. All righty. Oh, this is gonna be rough. <laughs> Wait, do we quick? We get questions. We get questions. Yeah. Well, uh, you yeah. know, when Poser remembers to post to ask for them on Twitter, we I asked for it twice this week. You did. So you were really good about yeah, it this was, week. I was very good about this. So. I begged for non-football questions. I do. I do beg for non-football questions. If you're listening, we love questions that have nothing to do with football. That's and I'm dead right serious. Now. Unfortunately, we did not get any non-football uh, questions. That's not true. I, I checked the thing. I know we got a couple. There was uh, a... No, not that I'm seeing. I, know. I will take you to task on that. Okay, you can ask your questions, and then if we get to it... Okay. All right. Some of this we talked about, but some of it we, we haven't. So p- pick and choose what you want to answer. But Brad Falk, uh, over the course of two tweets, uh, asks the following... Are people mad about the defense looking so bad, especially the secondary? Brennan being so hesitant, coming down from that 2019 high quicker than they wanted to, or that we lost to State? We have a lot of folks not following their own advice of preparing for imperfection. We ran into an NFL-caliber quarterback who played like one in an offense that can be installed in four days. Leach brags about this. Every time we lose to State, our defense looks powerless. First time was Aranda and his gaps. Second line, second was the defensive line depletion. And this time, it was the secondary. So, away you go. Uh, Is there a question in there? Uh, yeah. There was uh, in the beginning. You know, like, what, what, what are we uh, more mad about? What are people supposedly more mad about from this game? Uh, I'm always mad about losing the State. Uh, but I will say what I think... I'm actually not that mad about it. We look, we won the national title last year. We didn't really have practice this off season. You lost like every starter. Uh, this year is this year is totally gravy. It, it's unless the team is truly bad, it's going to be hard for me to be upset by anything. Um, but I will say, I think the thing that I was most concerned about was just how terrible the secondary looked. Uh, this is DBU. And that was not a DBU performance. More like DB poo. That's yeah. right. Ah. All right. We're going to ban that. We're never allowed to use that joke again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, what I'm, what I'm really mad about, I'm concerned about Brennan's processing. Uh, look, I, that could be assuaged with time, but I, it's, it's a huge red flag, like a gigantic sparkly red flag. But I mean, the thing I'm really actually mad about, and I wouldn't be mad about this if it weren't so glaring, is just how intransigently Bo Pelini called that game. I mean, come on. Like, if you get if you get beat, you get beat. But like, make an adjustment, especially since it's mesh. I mean, like, don't play straight man-to-man coverage with your corners against mesh. Is like the first thing you learn about stopping the air raid. Well, speaking of Bo Pelini. Uh, Jacob Hibbert has a question. How long does Pelini last, given that O has shown that he doesn't tolerate failure for long? See Matt Canada. Oh, Matt Canada. We'll see. We'll see if it goes like that. I mean, that's way too early to tell. But if it does go like that, especially since he is not a super agreeable or likable person um, who does not ingratiate himself to people around him, uh, yeah, if 
stuff like this happens all year, he will be gone quicker than most coaches would fire somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, and O yeah. got Canada out after a year. He's he, not he shy about pulling the trigger. After 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Canada was, you know, dead man walking halfway through the season. Um, I, I think it's very possible he could get fired in a year. Um, I think what's concerning, I, I think you're right about the personality thing. Because remember, the big thing that got Canada fired was not so much the offense didn't work, which obviously was a big part of it, but is that he didn't fit in with the staff. The the fact that nobody liked him was a huge nobody factor. Nobody likes him anyway, honestly. Um, that's like fifth time. Yeah, that's, that, that is the theme of his career, is that he's just an, apparently just an unlikable jackass. Um, I, Bo Pelini kind of has those same problems, not for the same reasons. I will say what is concerning is, and this was probably a topic we could get into in more detail in another podcast, but O won a national title and he was basically given the keys to the program. This is his program. And I don't want to say he pushed Aranda out the door, but he wasn't sad to see him go. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, but he's kind of eating some crow right now. He is a little bit, but he could have hired anybody. Like this was, he had almost a blank check. It's like, hey, do what you want to do. You just want a national title. You're the genius. And also he had to replace Brady, which obviously he wanted to keep. And the two guys he brought in were real retread kind of hires, Pelini yeah. and Linehan. And that does not speak highly for O. Instead of – even if he had pulled up a guy from the, the team, if he had, like, promoted Corey Raymond, I would have been really happy with that. But he didn't, like, look for a young mind that's, you know, kind of burning up the lower ranks or trying to promote someone. This was – Last year, he hired Brady, which was a really innovative hire, you know, an up-and-comer in the game. And this time, he just kind of – it seemed like he chose, you know, old buddies that he knew from the coaching circuit. And that's the concerning thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know. I mean, the funny thing is O's hires have actually been kind of a mixed bag. If you actually look at the record, Uh, Canada, which I understand he was the hot name and he it was his job pitch to get the hot name. So he's forgiven on that, especially considering how quickly and effectively he rectified the problem. But, I mean, Steve Ensminger, who, again, I love, uh, was just kind of like a friend. Well, I don't know. Cause, no, he did a good job. Like, he's doing a good job. Like, and Ensminger was here before you know, O. Yes, he was. But, like, at the same time, I mean, I don't think anybody would have necessarily expected Ensminger to. And, again, he needed Joe Brady to come in and install a system. Like, Ensminger's good at applying the system, but he couldn't really design one. Totally agreed. So that's that's a little bit eh. – And the thing, but the thing about Bo Pelini is I understand the direction he wants to take the defense, and honestly I agree with it because Ohio State runs it to great effect. That, you know, that four-down lineman, uh, Penn State as well, you can do it. You really can. But, like – and look, maybe, maybe it's going to come out in the offseason that Bo Pelini – didn't ha- have like three quarters of his complex coverages installed and they were running on, you know, day one installs in the, against the, a fully installed air raid. Cause the air raid takes about 60 seconds to install. Uh, maybe I hope that's the case, but like, I wasn't sure what he was thinking at the time. Maybe he just wanted somebody who's not going to get lured away by something bigger. Nobody's going after Bo Pelini. No. Yeah. But isn't that like one of them good problems? Yes. Don't you want your guys? Yeah. yeah, that's that's the that's the correct answer. But like, I don't know. The thing is, Edo is really good at learning from his mistakes. So, oh, 
maybe it's just every other hire is great and yeah. every other one fails after a year. But like, and look, that's a world I can live in. But uh, you know, Nick Saban's made a couple of eh, hires over the yeah. years. Granted, hey. he's Saban, but nobody's perfect on their hires. I agree with that. Right. But I, I think those two hires together is kind of the one that makes me go, I just don't like the vision behind it. And take it on their own, neither hire is bad. Bo Pliny for me is a very meh hire. I, yeah, I was very, I was very alarmed though. I was like, I, out. I wouldn't call it alarmed because I do like the whole, th- like you said, the whole style. I like the fact that Bo Pelina attacks. It kind of fits to O, you know, O's idea of aggression. You know, he didn't want the defense sitting back. I think there was something to be said for that. I just think he could have gotten a different guy to install that kind of defense. Yeah, but, but I don't hate. I didn't hate the. I, I won't go back in time and say like I was raging as a plea. I wasn't. I was just kind of like. I wanted Corey Raymond, but well, the thing is, Corey Raymond was going to run Dave Aranda's system probably. Uh, probably. Honestly, look, Dave Aranda's coverages are great, um, and his pass rush schemes can be pretty good. Like the pr- the problem is LSU hasn't had that really really effective pass rusher since Arden Key. Like Caleb on Chason was really good at the end of the year, but for th- he was struggling to win one on ones with tackles for most of the year last year. So like, I mean, you remember when, when he had. Arden Key, that team was getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Like they had Arden Key and Devon Godshaw. They just they didn't have that great edge rusher. And like I don't know, maybe if he had time with Ojolari and Webb as stand up guys, who knows? But like again, I'm not gonna freak out about the direction he's taking the defense. I just think, you know, Bo Pelini, like there are others. Yeah, it it it's and of course it's just first game freaking out stuff, but it does kind of feel like when Les hired Cam Cameron, he's like, really? Yeah, I mean, but the the thing is, we were all stoked on Cam Cameron after a year for no good reason because, you know, his players made his system. But, like, yeah, at the time, yeah, I mean, Cam Cameron got fired midseason by the Ravens the year before. I mean, but, like. And his team went on to win the Super Bowl after they fired him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they did. I think that was that team. Oh, man. But, like, the thing is, it didn't matter who Les Miles hired an offensive coordinator. He could hire Mike Leach as offensive coordinator, and they're still doing what they did. Well, speaking of decisions, Vinny Bartle says, currently in the process of selling current home to buy a new one, have already had two offers fall through. One due to cold feet, 10 days into escrow, and one because our HOA isn't approved for VOA loans. Is this process always as terrible as stress-inducing? Send booze. Um, yes, yeah, someone send him booze, <laughs> definitely. And yes, it always is as stress-inducing. Um, I've never heard of an HOA that does not allow VA loans. That's, that's insane. That's weird, yeah. That's... That is insane because VA loans are like one of the most secure loans out <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. And also, it doesn't look good if you're like, hey, we don't like veterans. That's another bad look. Yeah. Um, but that's not a neighborhood you want to be in anyway then, right? This is something that our, our, you know, our youngins might know. HOAs are the work of Satan. Um, they are – Yeah, they are. They're all Basically proof that is not great power corrupts but a very tiny, small sliver of power that absolutely corrupts. It is, there is nothing more infuriating than dealing with people 
uh, who are it's basically the society of Karens. Yeah, it's, um, the, it's the Citadel of Karens. Oh God, I I, I hate HOAs. That's the only with... reason I've ever served on my HOAs boards is to be able to watch the Karens because you ever see you guys ever see that you know that uh am I the a hole account I don't know if I can say that yeah yeah I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. Reddit yeah there's a, there's a post where this guy infiltrated his homeowners association I have seen that and everybody online is like you're the greatest person ever because <laughs> there is no one likes their homeowners association when. I sold my house to move to Texas. I had to get homeowner approval approval for the patio that I had in the backyard. And the patio was originally installed when the house was built back in the 70s. So in order to get approval, I had to get dig up architectural drawings that were on file with the city back in the seventies and then get approval from my neighbors for a project that already existed. Oh my God. Yeah. That's really stupid. Yeah. HOAs are perhaps the worst invention in America. It is our worst idea. And we've had some bad ones, but I, I will go on record saying I despise HOAs. Well, thinking of things you want to despise, Jacob Hibbard wants to know, Alabama has been able to reload, be immediately competitive after a title and exodus of talent. LSU apparently did not. Does this signal that LSU will not be able to consistently challenge Bama for the West, be a dynasty, and be in the playoff regularly? All correct. That's yeah. that's just not a reasonable ask. Honestly, Like you know what the thing is? Even you, you switch LSU and Ohio State. Every year, right? You go back since 2010. Look, Ohio State would have done slightly better than LSU has because of the less miles years. But Ohio State hasn't always reloaded in a crazy way either. I mean, remember when they lost by like a million points to Iowa and Purdue in back-to-back years? I mean, like, so LSU, what I want from LSU is to basically be Ohio State who has to play Bama every year, which you got to slightly adjust that down. The, the expectation of LSU being Bama is ridiculous. Honestly, um, it's it's not fair. It's uh, like, you know, dynasties don't just get replaced with other dynasties or concurrent dynasties all the time. I mean, like, even Clemson's somewhat of a false comparison because they play they play third graders. So, Maybe I mean, you want some sort of a dynasty like having three consecutive coaches win national titles over the span of 15 years. I, I mean, how is this not a dynasty? It's a really impressive achievement. I, I think I forgot who asked the question last week, but that's a really good point. That doesn't happen very often. I think that's an incredibly rare thing to have this kind of continuation and have play at this kind of level and also to continue to win at this level I mean, LSU is churning out winning seasons, not just winning seasons, but, you know, eight win seasons like every year. Bama had, what, seven consecutive number one recruiting classes. They are the greatest dynasty in the history of college football. And they have recruited at a level that has never been seen before or probably will since in college football history. And if your question is, why can't you be like that? That's just a ridiculous question. Why can't they be the greatest team of all time? They were because they're not. They Sorry. were the greatest team, not the greatest dynasty. Yeah, dynasty. Yeah, it's just uh, that's just too much of an ask. 
are they, I think Ohio State is the second best program over the past 10 years next to Bama. LSU's pretty much on that level. This is what success looks like. Yeah, like I said, I think we're going to end up, I think, you know, if we end up kind of like, again, like Ohio State, who has that extra insane challenge that they don't have every year, because uh, they have to play, we don't, they don't have to play Bama every year. Um, that's fine. LSU's, put, it, look, if LSU's putting in top five recruiting classes every single year, this program is going to be just fine. And the program yeah. is going to be just fine. I mean, if, we all need to relax. Yeah, and like, also, if guys want to go get paid, go get paid. They want a national title. Let them live out their NFL dream. Don't be selfish. Again, things are going to be fine. The team, this team is going to get better. The program, the program will be fine. I think that's the best thing. Will this, can this team go four and, you know, what, five and five this year? It's possible. Like, you know, don't rule it out. That said, the actual program is in really good, really good health. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, this is such a freak season anyway. Like, I mean, seriously, like, in a, in a full off season, does LSU, in a full off season with no COVID, by the way, LSU has Jamar Chase on the sidelines. Yes. So, uh, no COVID, LSU probably wins that game. Uh, no. So, I mean, like, first of all, the only thing anybody's going to remember about this season in three years is the fact that it was bizarre because there was a pandemic ravaging the planet. So, who cares? Yeah, this is the zombie season. So, just. The Pac-12 isn't starting until, like, 2075. Like, they're, they're starting in November. Like, come on. They're playing seven games. What are we doing here? Like, relax. It's the, Pac- like, it's, it's relax. the, it's the Pac-12. It doesn't matter. It's okay. I mean, yeah, the Pac-12 is fake anyway, but, like, so is the Big 12, apparently. So I have a co- kind of a corollary question to this one about the whole dynasty thing. Do you guys think LSU fans would have the hang-ups – of comparing the program to Bama under Saban if Saban had gone instead to, say, like Georgia? Like if he was in a different division but still in the same conference? Every year. No, I I do think it's a combination of both Bama and Saban. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, there is the former coach factor. I think it's it's silly to say that it isn't a factor. But there also is a thing that Alabama – tormented Charlie Mack. So you have a generation of people who are scarred from that. Yeah. And then this is more their grandkids are now being scarred by another, you know, um, Bama coach. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so I think it's both the combination of Bama-ness and Saban. It's, it's the worst possible combination. I think it would still be bad if it was just Bama and like the head coach was Brian Kelly mm. and it would be, Oh, I hate Brian Kelly. Though. Yeah, I hate Brian Kelly. I was trying to think of the worst person possible. <laughs> and it'd be really bad if it was Georgia with Nick Saban as the head coach. But it's really the combination of those two things that makes it the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Would we care as much if he was at a different conference? Let's like let's say no, he'd gone no to way. Ohio State. No, no, no. I don't think we would. Uh, I, I think so much of it is that it's Bama. We have to play him every year. That's that's ridiculous. Like yeah. Comparing LSU to even Ohio State or Clemson, you have to add an asterisk because they play, you know, they play the Death Star every year. Because, yeah. like, what if LSU was Oklahoma and made the college football playoffs every year oh, and got eliminated that, in the that, first that round? crazy. It really uh, I mean, they're still a great program. I know, but. Like, but, I mean, Oklahoma, for a while, LSU fans were pointing to Oklahoma and saying, hey, they make the playoffs every year. And I think LSU is a better program in Oklahoma the past couple, you know, even with <laughs> Oklahoma's all of their playoff appearances because the big 12 has just been so down yeah i would love to be in the big 12 let's trade let's have them play <laughs> bam every year 
seriously, let's go play in the, you know, in the Sun Belt, basically. The Sun Belt Inferior. And go make the playoff every year. I don't think like, the Big 12 is like, that bad. But, yes, I, I you know. They, they, they lost, like, a million games to the Sun Belt this year. Like Yeah, they, but I think that goes to the fact that this year is weird. Yeah, this year is fake. This year is uh, fake. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State while we're talking about big Again. losses. Again? Yeah, but, I mean, Kansas State's bad. I guess they have the new they have the new coach from North Dakota State, but still, like they were twenty eight point favorites. You know, they were up twenty one points too in the fourth quarter, or second half at least. So yeah, Oklahoma yeah. kind of Oklahoma's loss saved LSU from the most embarrassing loss of the weekend. Which is weird because I think nationally our loss got talked about more than the Oklahoma loss because we're the defending national champions. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's good, and that's where you want to be because we we matter. Happened later. I think that counts a little bit too. Yeah, no one has FS1, <laughs> or if they do, no, they don't know where to find it. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. I told, I watched every snap of that game. I did too. I, was... I love Spencer Rattler. I think he's going to be ridiculous. He's just got to be a little less, a uh, little bit less Jameis. But I mean, but yeah, I, and I, honestly, it's a good thing. Like that's credit. the the idea of uh, what you call it, talent getting you into trouble. He, you know, he he had confidence in himself and made really bad mistakes. That kind of goes with the Eli Ricks play. Where he had confidence in himself, and they're just you just need to learn. Hey, there's times when it's okay to give up a, a ten yard gain. You know, yeah. Rattler needs to learn. Hey, sometimes it's okay to chuck the ball into the sideline. The thing is, though, I would take Spencer Rattler's performance over Miles Brennan's because, like, those the the added value of the stuff he completes versus the stuff Brennan passes up are worth the two interceptions. They really are. Oh yeah, I agree. Like he, he was awesome. So. Like, I don't care about – like, you, you go throw, like, 15 interceptions. Like, Deshaun Watson in 2016 when they won the title threw 17 interceptions that year. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. And they shouldn't have cared. 17. He, I think he led the country. <laughs> interceptions are the byproduct, you know, the byproduct of production. So. I mean, don't be crazy like Jameis Winston, but, like, still. You mean future Saints quarterback Jameis Winston? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm watching them right now. No, oh, no. Yeah, Alvin Kamara is making Drew Brees' stat line look like he isn't 100 years old. He still is, though. Boomer Brees. This this hurts my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like uh I don't like you saying mean things about you know Drew Brees being old. My team's quarterback is Daniel Jones, especially when he's I, younger than I am. Uh, yeah, my team's quarterback is Lamar Jackson, so you all can oh, suck oh, it. <laughs> yeah, and we and the NFL let Patrick Queen fall to us because it's an NFL rule that every four or five years every team gets stupid and lets a great linebacker fall to the Ravens at like when they're drafting like fifteenth. It's great. Oh yeah, I, and like they did with Terrell Suggs. That was wonderful. It, Patrick Queen is a very very good football player already. Uh, I would have liked to have him. Although Jabril Cox was. A little sketchy at times on assignments, but like it's clear the guy can cover. Yeah, made big plays, no complaints there. And yeah, I mean, I like Jabril Cox. I still do. Any more questions cool. for the bag? Yeah, he's gonna get better. We have some more. So Stephen, who's at Stegaman Seventeen, asks, "What's the best and worst show or movie that you've streamed during quarantine?" I finally got to Better Call Saul. Wow. 
Yeah, well, well, actually, I finally got to Breaking Bad, too. Like, I watched them both during quarantine. I'm really proud of you, Breaking Max. Breaking Bad's the best show I've ever seen, obviously. I haven't seen The Wire yet, though. I'm a Baltimore guy, so that's I'm required to watch it. I gotta watch it, I, and I will. <laughs> Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul were so good. Uh, and the worst thing, I don't know. Like, I'll start a new show, and then like Breaking, you know, Better Call Saul is related, so I kind of consider that part of the same endeavor. And then I'll just not do it forever. So I just went back to old stuff. Like I watched Seinfeld again. I watched Bob's Burgers for like the third time. Uh, and I just kept watching Family Guy and American Dad, like as the new episode, like catching up with the the new seasons and stuff. So like, yeah, there was nothing bad because I never let myself watch anything bad. It's either so good that I can't like that I have to watch it, and then I just go back to my old stuff. Zach, yeah, I I haven't started a new show during quarantine. I did rewatch. Avatar The Last Airbender when it went back on Netflix. And now I have it on DVD, so I didn't really need to have it on Netflix. I could watch it at my leisure. Um, but Avatar is like the best, one of my all-time favorite TV shows. I'm also kind of doing a Breaking Bad rewatch. I think I'm on my third time through right now. See, I'm glad you guys are doing that because thing... because then it, it saves me the trouble of watching it for a first time. So, Ooh, no, it's, it's good. I think the worst thing I watched was uh, Love is Blind, which I loved, or maybe... Uh, yeah, my, my my wife is really into Love is Blind. I know exactly what you're talking about. Did, did your wife also, did she check out uh, Too Hot to Handle? That was pretty terrible. I watched that in a night. No, I didn't watch that one. I, I was uh, luckily that skipped awful. that one. Um, I, I've really been into comfort food, so I've been watching old sitcoms on Hulu, their classic TV section. So I've been watching Cheers and Mary Tyler Moore and Taxi. Oh, God, is Taxi a great show. I try to watch – I try to catch up on some movies, but I just – with the whole world falling apart, I can't watch anything too stressful right now. I watched Contagion. Yeah, which – yeah. It's like, like I watched Uncut Gems, and I just oh, couldn't yeah. – I just couldn't watch something that intense. Like I, I can't have that in my entertainment right now. Um, I need light and fluffy. I, I just can't do it. The only exception, um, I, of course, Netflix, whenever a documentary comes on, I'll watch it. Athlete A is amazing um, about, you know, Maggie Nichols and the whole gymnastic yeah. scandal. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, but if you're looking for a, a documentary, what's your uh, track action park, uh, class action oh, park on HBO. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Particularly for anyone who had ever been to Action Park, it sums up that place perfectly. And New Jersey in the '80s, it it really hit the mark. It, I hadn't, I forgot how many mullets there were, and there were a lot of mullets. So, um, actually, I'm thinking about it. You know, I did get into uh, Star Wars: Clone Wars. Ooh, yeah. That'd be some of that. That'd be my my new show that I started. I'm on like I, season five, I believe. Yeah, I've watched in a couple months. The worst is I have little kids, so um, obviously there's a lot of terrible uh, TV there. Boss Baby is now a, a syndicated show on Netflix. Uh, that'll make you want to gouge your own eyes out of your head. <laughs> um, I, I still maintain that Paw Patrol is the worst TV program in the history of mankind. Wait, I thought Paw Patrol was canceled. 
Uh, no, it's look it, just because it's canceled does not mean it's not on you know <laughs> not on Nickelodeon. The app still works. Um, just awful. Just I hate that show so much. Um, and I would you would say oh it's not a big deal. It's just what your kids watch. If you have two kids in the house, you watch a lot of children's programming. Mm. And what's terrible is like you know we now have HBO Max and they have the entire Looney Tunes library. So I'm like trying to edge them towards Bugs Bunny. Nah, not happening. They're just like, no, this this is terrible, Dad. Don't even try. So it's just sitting there, unwatched, in my queue. Well, you know, I've watched all of the uh, Netflix action movies, their originals, kind Oof. of during quarantine. So Six Underground, Extraction, and The Old Guard. And oh, The Old Guard is based on a comic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The Old Guard is based on uh, Greg Rucka's Rucka. yeah. uh, comic yeah, book. Yeah, that's a great comic. It, great yeah, the comic is great, and they did a, a they did a really good job uh, adapting it. And I think the cast I wasn't quite so taken with with uh, Charlize Theron playing the See, lead I, in that. Just, just I think Charlize Theron's like one of the best action heroes we have right now. I, I love her. I, I just didn't get the vibe from her that I got from the main character of the comic. Let's just put it like that. Okay, that's I, fair. I, I thought the other actors they. Her, you know, her supporting cast. I thought they did a really good job casting, casting wise in that. Like uh, I, I saw the transition from comic to, to to screen in them better than I saw it in her. Um, yeah, I'm just saying with, with like Theron, it's just like you know she's done yeah. Atomic Blonde. She was in Mad Max. I'm like she was in Aeon Flux a long time ago. I'm like she has a a really good resume of action yeah. movies. Oh, I, I'm not discounting you know her performance in in, in the movie. It's just that. It, it, it just didn't resonate like yes she is sure. her you know kind, yeah. of, kind of a thing uh, i thought extraction was really well done it's got a a continuous shot that wasn't really a, a continuous shot but you can't really tell kind of in the first uh third of the movie that is just incredible just absolutely incredible and it, worth watching the rest of the film just for that and you know i actually watched six underground twice uh, Ryan Reynolds catches a lot of crap in his career, and it is definitely a Ryan Reynolds, Michael Bay fest in, in all the ways you you think of those two. But the <laughs> second the second time around, I, I appreciated it a little more than I did the fir- the first time. So yeah, yeah, he's fun. I I, I like Ryan Reynolds. He has hey, a you know, none of them are going to be up for greatest films or Academy Awards. They're just you know they're cotton candy. Right, there's yeah. something to enjoy. Kind of check out, check out for right. the, the crap going Look, on in the world for a little bit and have some it's, fun. It, it's not going to win a Michelin star, but you know what? Sometimes you just want a you know a good slice of pizza. It's, right. it's all right. You know. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, if we're talking like in terms of like the best food, the best food is at hole in the wall places that Guy Thierry goes to. That is just a fact. That is where oh, yeah. the food is. Right, because they're all still using lard. <laughs> Oh God, lard is the secret to cooking. <laughs> That's don't right. it really is. <laughs> Saturated fats. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Like I don't need I don't need like I don't need to go to a Michelin star place if I can go to a, a place that serves like plastic forks with one of the little prongs broken and serves me great food. That yeah. guy oh, yeah. just buries his frosted tips into. The worst part about uh not the worst part about the pandemic, but for the simplicity of the bit. Um, the worst part of this pandemic is that I can't go into work anymore and I'm working entirely from home. And next to my office, there is a Mexican hole in the wall place where 
no one speaks English except for me. And I don't speak a word of Spanish. And oh my God, is it the best street tacos? Oh yeah. The best street tacos. And literally the name of the place I think is tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah. No, that's how you know. Oh, well, kicking it back to football, Jacob Hibbert asks, what did you come away from the state game feeling good about? He said Cox and Gay looked solid, and that's about it. Oh, that's okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, those guys, uh, uh, I felt really good about Terrace Marshall, who is a, a robot, who is so good, and it's such a crime that he got buried Uh kind of in the, the discourse last year about LSU's offense, because he is amazing at football. He's so good. I mean, come on. Like, he should go in the first round. Like, he's he's 6'3". Like, and look at the way he moves and the way he runs routes and catches balls in contested situations. I mean, you got to come away just totally simping for Terrace Marshall after that one. He was so good. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's Cox, it's Gay... Uh, Stevens looked like a bigger Tyron Matthew Saturday, just the way, you know, the, the, the sack yeah, tackles awesome. for loss, forcing a fumble, recovering two, really wearing that number seven with pride. Um, Wasn't his fault. What happened? I, I like, I like the front four or at least the, the tackles, especially we haven't mentioned uh, Glenn Logan didn't play either. And I thought they yeah, did a good job without that. Glenn Logan. Um, I don't think did anyone ever report on why he didn't play? It just it, that just kind of came out of nowhere that Logan was out. If they did, I haven't um, seen. Yeah, I, I I need to see what that was about. Other than that, I mean, I don't want to be too critical because again, it's the first game. This team will get better, but um, it's that offensive line because I remember Dare Rosenthal kind of looked a little shaken up toward the end of the game. If one of those guys goes down, and they probably will because it's just the nature of offensive line, that's a house of cards, and there's nothing um, in the second string that I feel good about. It's it's youth and experience. I think it's I, – I do believe it's zero combined collegiate appearances among the second unit. Oh, my God. Of course it is. Oh, no. Uh, put those guys in bubbles. Um, everyone – since they haven't been mentioned for – Good things to come out of the game. I think uh, Dre Jenkins uh, yep. emerged as the number two wide yeah. receiver. Yep. He, was, he had a better game than Racy McMath. Uh, Jenkins was really a reliable receiver. He, he, had a, I mean, he didn't have a spectacular game, but it was good to see another receiver step up. I, we're set at receiver. LSU <laughs> suddenly. That's not the problem. Those guys were open all day. Yeah, all just day. yeah, just depth out the wazoo. Also, on defense, I think Demone Clark had a really good game. And eh, no one, I don't it, actually. I, uh, I think he, you know, he was he was plugging up holes. He was getting into the backfield. He, you know, he had a sack, had a you know quarterback hurry or two. Um, yeah, I, I think the problems were all with the secondary. Um, I, I think he was the guy they were bringing in as the extra blitzer. I, I think he was, you know, not a star making performance, but I think our linebacking core is, you, you know, we we have something to start with in Cox and Clark. Yeah. Also, no, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Max. I, I I mean, I, look, he I, he was cert- he was good against the run, and he was good when he was asked to rush the passer. But I mean, there were he busted assignments from him in coverage. Uh, he got cooked a couple times by Kylan Hill. Yeah, I, he he was just like I, I think he was being asked to do something. 
against that offense that Damone Clark is probably never going to really be able to do. I think like he kind of asked, they kind of asked both of their linebackers to be Jabril Cox in coverage and Damone Clark got cooked a few times. So, but the good thing is he's going to be the on ball guy against normal offenses. So he's not really going to have to do that as much. Uh, that's going to be mostly Jabril Cox. So yeah, I don't think he had a great game, but I don't think he had a super worrisome game. But as far as good things that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily talking about, um, I think uh, I and it's been mentioned. I, I do think BJ Ojolari was pretty good, and he really showed that he's got a lot of talent. As did um, what's his name? As did uh, honestly, Racy McMath. He generated yeah, a lot yeah. of separation. He did. He yeah, McMath did. had a good game. I think all the receivers did. Also, you know, while we're talking about guys who – this could have mattered had the game turned out differently. But I think Cade York coming in there and hitting a – draining yeah. a 40-yarder, yeah. when he kicked that field goal, that was a clutch field goal at the time. And everything that happened after made it not mean anything. But I feel really confident in the kicking game right there. Oh, and Zach yeah, Rosenberg. Yeah, Von Rosenberg was also going. Uh, yeah. and remember York, uh, York was, I think four of eight or five of 10 from 40 to 49 last year. He was kind of hit or miss from that area. And Rosenberg, I'm looking at it now, seven punts averaged about 50 yards. Did he really? Yeah. Uh, yeah 49.4 he... had a long of 58, three were 50 plus five went inside the 20. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a game for a punter. State had literally zero return or punt return yards. Oh, yeah. Zach Von Rosenberg was this is very like very depressing. He might have been the MVP of the game. Yeah, not terrible. No, it was Marshall or Gay, but like Von Rose. If your punter's top five, that's a problem. But he was really good. It's if just the game gone the way the first quarter was going, had gone. Zach Von Rosenberg is your MVP. Everything that happened from the second quarter on kind of reduced his impact. But in the first quarter, I think he was MVP. Yeah, and and like it, I, I look, it may just turn out that this is all part of LSU's convoluted plan to uh, fill out that award checklist uh, and get the Ray guy on there and avenge <laughs> Brad Wing. But, like, like, look, we need to pump more. Miles, just, you know, yeah, if, not, only not, if it's not. wide open. Chad Kessler, average over 50 yards a punt, didn't win the Ray guy. Just saying. It's a tragedy. Yeah. I mean, you Brad, weren't born. Brad Wing. <laughs> Brad Wing should have won it for the taunting alone. That was awesome. He should have, he should have gotten an extra touchdown for that. Yeah, no, Brad Wing is the one of the few punters who truly was a difference maker, and that's saying something. I love that guy. Well, Does that wrap, wrap uh, up our question bag? Or do we have the items more? we have or, or, or stuff we basically already went over. Uh, Fearless Leader 7 doesn't really have a question. He just has more of a comment. So it might be interesting to get your take on it. He said they need to inject some power concepts into this offense. I want to see Torrey Carter as the second tight end in a two tight end set in the red zone and in short yardage. Well, I mean, you know, I I, I kind of touched on that in terms of earlier with two tight end sets, but you got to do that in a way that you don't kind of give up, you know, your spread offense. You got to You got to have one of those guys out wide and it's not going to be Torrey Carter. But yeah, I mean that that's going to help more in pass protection than anything else. Uh, but yeah, you could use, you know, you could pull, you could run power, and you could pull the uh, Tory Carter's the H back through. Uh, usually you would do a guard, but like you could run, you could run counter where you pull them both. So I mean, you could do that. 
but like I think if we're really if we're really getting into a situation where we're like, hey, let's use a, basically use a fullback and build our offense around that, we are in trouble. I, look, I know they had the one red zone possession that slowed down, but LSU went to the red zone three times uh, and scored three times. Twice they scored a touchdown. Let's just chill out. Uh, um, it was one. It was one series where they couldn't get into the end zone and. That happens. That's actually a pretty good conversion rate of two touchdowns and a field goal. That's better than they had done before last year. I mean, remember? No, how I mean that's. I mean that's that's good for anybody. Uh, Seventeen points on three trips is about where you should average about five points for every trip. So if you get seventeen, you're you're above the fifteen. So no problems. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Although to be fair, one of them was on, was by accident. Yeah, I mean, but hey, look, find your best play, you know, find Gilbert and throw the ball up to him. But I do think there was a little bit of panic of just, hey, this one run thing didn't work. Okay, it didn't work. What, Whatever. Like, not every run play works. And I think people tend to see, oh, you should have run the touchdown play. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think in that one, it just, it got bogged down and there was a couple plays that they, it just didn't happen for them. And that's just... Just, just the way football go. Yeah. That's it for questions. All Any right. l- last statements? They gotta, st- they gotta stop leaving Eric Gilbert in to protect, please, just please. <laughs> yeah, and very, yeah, very please. square peg and round hole of them to be doing that. Yeah, that is a little concerning. But yeah, but maybe it's gonna, maybe it's gonna be like, yeah, let's ease him into this. Let's not turn him into our number one target right away. But, like, I don't know. We'll see. But please stop that. It is always better to win than lose. So losing sucks. Uh, But at the same time, I don't think this is a disaster. Uh, This team probably wasn't going to win the SEC anyway. So it's a weird season. Most of the goals are still on the table. You know, this team just needs to get better. It's a young team, and I, I think they will. So... Everybody step back from the ledge, and if you need to, make sure that you still have the national championship game still recorded in your DVR. Yeah. Or, you know, you can you, you can find it on YouTube if you're under 40. <laughs> I'm over 40, and I know how to use YouTube. I, yeah, I know that's, uh... DVR. Ooh, he's just all over the place with us tonight, isn't he? Yeah, I used to use DVR. I used to when I was, like, you know, 11. Yeah. And that was... All I had. You realize I can just hit a button and it just pops up. It's pretty easy. Like, uh, yeah, but like, you have to. Yeah, but nothing. Like one (laughs) button, or I can go to YouTube and it's already on my TV. Like YouTube app, I have to go through. My kids use it. They screw up all my algorithms. They don't know how to get to the DVR. I keep it from them because they don't know how to use it. (laughs) Oh, they're gonna find out about that in like 15 years. Yeah, but in 15 years, I'll you know. I'll have it on DVD. <laughs> I barely know what a DVD is. Your kids are not going to know what a DVD is. <sighs> hey, you should always buy physical media. Yeah, that's right. It's like that, it's like that South Park episode where Randy bought the last blockbuster, and <laughs> and and, the, and he yelled. He was yelling at those kids. He's like, "You guys want to buy a DVD?" And they're like. What's a diva D? That's right. Uh, records are cool. I say, yeah. I don't have a record player, but my friend at school does. 
So I bought like a bunch of records at a music store and we just played them and it was really cool. Oh, just I, I shudder to think what uh, records you bought. Um, <laughs> well, it was it was mostly like 2000s pop punk kind of stuff. Oh, God. It was kind of my jam. <laughs> they don't have a lot of show tune records. Well, they do. I just feel like <laughs> show tunes. <laughs> like one of my things. Dude, I own... they're the best to perform. They're the best yeah. to sing. Yeah, the punk records I own are like millions of dead cops. So let's. <laughs> 80s punk. You know, back when we were destroying the universe, you know. <laughs> but yes, go back, enjoy last season. It still happened. And guess what? There's a price to pay. Everybody went to the NFL, everything will be fine. Yeah, and they're balling out. Look at Justin Jefferson today, grittying into the end zone. So, what a guy. I love that guy. That's what you need to be happy. Find your happy place, everybody. It'll be okay. I'm still really upset the Saints couldn't get Justin Jefferson. Or Patrick Queen. They could have had either. Yeah, the infuriating thing about after the draft, Sean Payton was like, yeah, well, we're still looking for a linebacker. And I was like, dude, there was a transcendent one. 60 miles up the road from you, and you passed on them. You're defeating the happy place part here. Guys, find the happy place. And with that, go Tigers. Go Tigers.